Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is for all you parents out there who, probably like me, when you were told it's time to go home with your child, you looked around and wondered, where's the manual? Where's the teacher? Are you sure I can even do this? Well, today our parenting expert, Dina Alexander from Educate and Empower Kids, is back to answer all the questions that you wanted answered on parenting. This is episode 132, Q&A with a parenting expert. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. I cannot believe that is almost the end of December. Is it just me or was 2018 the fastest year ever? I'm sure this is just what it is, growing older and getting busier, but my goodness, I just have to tell you all how grateful I am for this show, for this community behind it. 
I am really looking forward to the changes that are coming in the new year. And we are going to buckle down on being a podcast all about self-improvement and self-development and self-care and self-love. But today I'm going to air one of my final episodes I'll be doing for a while on parenting. Although I love talking about it, we're going to be talking more about things outside of the parenting in the new year. Dina Alexander has been on the show three other times. Uh, She's been here to talk about social media or technology use. She's been here to talk about body image, pornography, And today she's here to answer all the questions you submitted about parenting. Now, some of these are questions that are very needed for us to talk about, but might not be something you want little ears in your family to listen to. So I would listen to this episode with headphones on or in the privacy of your room or where kids will not be around because there'll be some terminology here that you might not be ready for your little ones to hear. I'm really grateful for Dina taking the time to be on the show again. Her website is educateempowerkids.org and she has so many free resources there for you to explore and use in your family. Let's jump on into my time with Dina. Dina, thank you so much for being willing to be on the show again. Is this our fourth time together, right? Oh, I hope so. But thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's it's so good that I have a go-to expert here on like all things parenting. And primarily with tough topics, you are definitely the gal to get in touch with, as well as your nonprofit. Um, can you tell people where to find you really quick before we dive in here if they want some more resources? So we are at EducateEmpowerKids.org. We are also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Our handle for Instagram is at EduEmpowerKids. Well, okay, great. Thank you so much. So our goal today, we put out uh, a request for people to send in their questions and usually tied with some tough topics questions. And I've got a, a good list here. So our plan is to go through these rapid fire. So we're not going in as full depth as perhaps we could in a full episode on each topic because each one of these probably could take like an, a 20 minute answer. But our hope is to at least share some resources, some tips and some tools for parents to use. And you're just a good sport to go with this. <laughs> Thanks. These are going to be, these are some great questions. I think we're going to have some fun here. Yeah, super great questions. Okay, so let's just get started. Um, the first one here, and I try to categorize them a little bit. Um, so this one, it says, what tips do you have to teach children to have self-confidence and to love themselves regardless of what others think the world preaches? Okay, this is a great question, um, but also more complicated than say I was trained for. When I was in graduate school, we were trained more of with the self-esteem model that you can love yourself no matter what, blah, blah, blah. And the research just isn't supporting that in the last decade. It is showing that we cannot just teach kids, oh, love yourself no matter what. Like it's just not that simple. Mm. Um, Now we are going to talk about that and be as positive as we can with our kids. We're going to, of course, compliment our kids, but we also need to realize that they still need to accomplish things in order to feel good. Now, we don't want their entire self-esteem to be based on accomplishing things. I got an A on this. I scored the last goal in the soccer game. But it's those things are still going to matter. We still need to do things in order to feel good. Our kids need to go to school and overcome tough 
tough times. So I would say my first piece of advice for helping kids to build confidence is to not rescue them all the time. We need to let our kids make mistakes and have tough times so that they can accomplish things so that they can also get through sometimes stressful situations. They can get through homework and look at it and say, I did that. I accomplished that. I was able to make a new friend. I was strong enough to go and introduce myself to somebody on my own without my mom taking care of everything. So those are that's one that I have struggled with as a parent over the years a lot. I have two introverted children that I have wanted to mm-hmm. rescue multiple times. And sometimes I've done it and sometimes I've been able to stop myself and let them accomplish things on their own. So that is one that can be socially, emotionally, and intellectually. So, you know, I'm not saying like, just let them get bullied at the park when they're three and four years old. (laughs) But I'm saying if they can figure it out, or if you can stand back for 30 seconds or a minute or five minutes and see if they can work things out on their own at that young age, do it. And when they're older, letting them struggle even longer so that they can, and you'll see that this extends the, the older they get. My second piece is to help them find the activities that they like. So we need to let them develop the talents and then help like help them find what interests them, even if we have no interest in it, and let them pursue that and provide opportunities for them to have growth and experience there. Like I was very athletic as a kid. My kids are definitely more artistic. I have a daughter who's way into photography etc. Right. And so there's, they have totally different gifts than I had. And we have to let them find those gifts and be happy as they accomplish and as they find fulfillment and flow and they're able to find things that they can relax with and that they can use as their coping skills. My last thing I would say on that is they need chances to be useful. They need chances to serve, even at a very young age, even if that's just wiping a table, cleaning a toilet, um, reading to another child. They need opportunities to serve other people and to be useful in their home and in their community. This builds confidence these things are providing skills that they can fall back on. Hey, I know how to do laundry. I know how to load a dishwasher. I know how to solve an argument like that. We need to, again, they need to learn to be useful, that this is what builds confidence is those skills. All right. I just want to do a mic drop and be like, okay, we can end there. There's the episode. That was the most important piece because I just learned so much in those few minutes. Fantastic. Okay. I want to respond, but I'm going to keep going instead. (laughs) I hear you. Well done. We could do the whole episode on that question alone. I seriously think we can, and maybe we'll have to. Um, Okay, next. What is the best way to teach your kids to respect technology but be cautious with it? What are some good recommendations for screen time for different ages? And again, I mean, all of these are going to be very different for each family, I guess. But what is it this from your expert point of view and the research that you have done on this? So this is something that we have done a lot of research, and it's a topic near and dear to my heart, not just because of the research, but because I have made mistakes as a parent. Before I got involved in my organization, um, I had very different ideas about screen time, and my kids were much younger. And of course, I was using it like, okay, I'm exhausted. I need a nap. I'm turning on SpongeBob or Nickelodeon, Nick Jr., whatever for my kids to watch, and I'm crashing because I'm exhausted. And so I understand that need to sometimes use 
the um, a television or a device as the pacifier, but we've got to avoid it as much as possible, mm. as much as absolutely possible. Yes. Um, the research is just pouring in about how bad screen, you know, that's over screen use is for kids now. And we know that the American Academy of Pediatrics has told us repeatedly, like no screens at all for kids two and under. Mm. I'm seeing toddlers that know how to swipe. I'm saying like kids that are not even walking know how to swipe and use a phone. That just should not be happening, okay? Their brains, remember, we were cavemen once. Our our children's caveman brains cannot deal with the technology candy that phones are, okay? They are, their brains are so susceptible to addiction at this point and letting them pacify themselves with a screen is not healthy. So as much as we can get them to have good a good balance there. Now I'm not saying it's like outlaw all screens. Yes, to be, you know, definitely intentional to have limits, whether that's mm. 30 minutes a day, whether that's an hour a day. That's going to be worked out within your family. And okay. if you have kids like I did where they were on, you know, where they were watching television 2 and 3 hours a day and you ha- I had to backtrack from that. It was much easier than I thought it was going to be. I remember mm-hmm. when I announced to my kids, you will now be reading for 30 minutes if you want to watch a television show for 30 minutes. I thought it was going to be anarchy in my home. Mm. I think my oldest was in the sixth grade. So I had a sixth, fourth, and a first grader. And so at that point, there was some kind of reading going on with all three of them. And they were like, okay. And it was like, it was not the battle I thought it was going to be. And I was, I was vigilant and not like where I went crazy on it. Cause you know, I was a Friday night. We're going to watch a movie together. That yeah, was, that's that the was purpose, a big deal. Right? Yeah, that fine. was, yeah, it was no big deal, but they, they got along. And luckily, like, that became even bigger. And we started mm. listening to books in the car. And my kids are still huge readers. And we still have those rules in place. Now, they're 17, 15, and 12. And they know that there are several things they have. Now that it's summertime, there are several things they have to accomplish before they can get in front of a screen, um, whether that's a computer screen or a television screen. And they, so we've been able to build that over years, you know, to make it, to make it work for our family. And so to me, that is the way to go. Of course, my recommendation is to avoid the smartphone until at least high school, um, if not sophomore or junior year. Give your kids a dumb phone, a flip phone, if they really need to text and call, but avoid smartphones as long as possible. Like there's just, I don't know a single family that has a smartphone that is like, yep, my kids are totally fine. They have great boundaries. They know when to shut it off. Uh uh-uh. I have not heard one story. Every single parent we talk to battles this. So give their brains as long as possible to develop before you give them, before you give them a phone. And especially if you're going to give them social media, you know, we used, I used to say maybe freshman year in high school, but again, I'm now I'm kind of saying if you can put that off longer, especially for girls, because this is where we're seeing a lot of their addiction, a lot of their depression, um, you want them to have it before they leave your home. So they need to have that experience of being on social media, making mistakes, saying dumb things um, while they're still under your roof. But, Hmm. and I know that a lot of people are like, that's crazy. You know, like they're 13, you're going to give it, you're going to give it to them. But I'm talking about the ideal. If you want, if you want, if you want your kids to have a total leg up over every kid around them, 
you will limit screen time. I look at what my kids can do academically, their attention span, their ability to converse at the dinner table, it is far and above their peers. And that is because of screen limits and encouraging conversation. Everybody that comes to our house, adults that has dinner with us, every single one comments, your kids are like, they talk, Mm. they talk a lot They're They, they share their day. And I'm like, we have worked on this over mm, years yeah. and I know that academically I have put them above their peers in because they've had less screen time, more reading time and more time talking as a family. Yeah. And so that's also a case, you know, not against educational apps, but also to more in terms of making it purposeful and limits. It's yeah. Be wise. Yes. You know, I love, I love some of the apps that they have that they were not available to my kids, things that help them in like to enjoy the alphabet, to enjoy learning. But again, there's, I look at some of them and I'm like, I watch a child. Yeah. I watch a child do it for half an hour. And I think that really, that child got enough out of it in 10 minutes. When mm-hmm. I see kids at church or in a waiting room, I'm like, no, they could have 10 minutes was plenty for that child to get what they needed out of that app, put it away, you know? Yeah. Well, and the case for me is um, my kids are really young, six and under, and they become just terrible after mm-hmm. 20 minutes. They become yeah. not, it's just not worth it. It's just not and worth it's it. The same, and it's the same thing for older kids, believe me, for yeah. middle school. Okay. So it's, this, is, this is not all of a sudden going to be like, oh, oh, is it time for me to get off the phone now, Mom? Yeah, they oh, get okay. worse. Mm-hmm. They, they, they become more belligerent. They're just angry. They're just grumpier. It's like it is it's one of those it goes back to the self-esteem that we were talking about in the previous question. You cannot feel a happiness, a peace and a sense of accomplishment from scrolling through social media or scrolling through websites for an hour. There's just yeah. not you can't you can't pat yourself on the back. Imagine how hard it is for us as adults to feel fulfillment out of spending time on social media. And then you quadruple that for a kid. Oh, yes. So. OK, well, great cases made there. Next, they're saying, will our kids fall behind when it comes to coding technology if their screen time is limited versus all access kids? Yeah, absolutely not. Um, I think like coding is is a huge catchphrase right now. Everybody loves it. You know, my, my kids school, they have a day of coding at their last school, which was a private school. They did a little bit more coding. And so I've done some research on that because everybody is pushing that. It seems so fun, so wonderful. And the research is showing that probably less than 10% of our kids are actually going to code as a career. Oh, some, wow. okay. Some, est- some estimate that it could be even less than 5% of um, the population will actually code as adults. And okay. also the nature of coding is changing. So mm. things that they're learning now may not apply at all in five or 10 years. Okay. So yes, learn coding if it's going to help their math skills. But honestly, a music class is going to help their math and thinking skills 10 times more than a coding class. Wow. So if it's fun, if they have a gift and a knack for it, that's again, then if that's something that it they are enjoying, then go for it. But if it's not something that they really get into, then don't push it. But if they are into it, again, you're still going to have a limit. They don't need to code for more than an hour a day 
You know, if they're yeah. if they're building a website, if they actually are doing something that maybe they're helping a neighbor build a website, then yeah, that's an actual project. But if this is just coding for the sake of coding, we we need to calm down on the coding. It's kind of like you know when you hear Jim Gaffigan laugh about the kale propaganda, <laughs> like let's calm down about kale. It's kind of like coding. Like let's yeah. calm down about coding. Like Got it. it's a good thing to learn, but it's not. Um, it's they're not our kids are not going to fall behind because they have screened they have screen limits or because they're not playing the latest video games wonderful okay next is how can i keep my very young kids safe from harmful media while at other people's houses without giving other adults condescending speeches so that's a great question and this is something that any responsible parent is going to need to have this conversation with friends and any concerned friend or anybody that is that you are even comfortable leaving your children in the care of will not fuss about this and yeah, will not okay. be offended by you mentioning this. And you can, of course, be very polite about it. And when I have done this over the years, it has just been like, this is something that is I, I've done a lot of research with. This is something I'm very concerned about. And I would appreciate if my, you know, if my kids didn't watch any TV at your house or could we limit the time that they're watching television because I've done a lot of research with this or this is just a really big concern of mine that I do not want my child, you know, being exposed to different media. And you can even let them know it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I don't trust the television, you know, or I don't Mm, trust the websites that are out there. Mm. And then I also let them know, you know, my child came to to your house. I would really want my child to play with your child. I would rather they not game, just sit and game together or stare at their phones or just watch a television program, you know, and I'm being very direct in how I'm saying it right now. But, you know, you can you can definitely soften it a bit of where, you know, you just let them know I'm really concerned about this. And to me, this is the same as if somebody brought their child to my house and said, you know, we're vegetarian and I would really appreciate it. If, you know, there wasn't anything with meat served, you know, while my child is over, I'm like, that's, I would be sensitive to that. I wouldn't have a problem with that. So I feel like people are not going to have a problem with, and they never have. Whenever I have brought up anything to other parents, they are like, oh, good. Thank you. Okay, good. I agree with you. Yes, I will. They do not have to be on any screens. They can just be playing a board game. And I even have teenagers, you know, like they know Mm -hmm. that, that that this is just kind of what you do. When I drop my child off, I have that discussion, especially when they were younger, you know, and I've, I've never had anybody be negative or offended by that. You know, you don't have to give a speech. You no. can just say, this is something I'm worried about. And I just really would rather my child, you know, or our kids not even game while they're together. They just, there's so many fun things to do and they can get, do that on their own. I just really would prefer them to interact and, you know, play together. Yeah, and even if, like I said, if you say like you know they 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 have their limit at home for it, so if you could just help hold me up to that, so we can make yeah, sure absolutely. that that time limit's in place, that'd be great. It's almost yeah. like taking the blame on yourself, which I think parents would appreciate. Okay, those are all great ideas there. Um, this person said, and this is our last question based on technology. I like to share what my per- about my personal life and kids on my public Instagram account I use for business, but how can I keep them safe? What can I share without sharing too much? So this really depends on each person. 
most of the time we're oversharing. You know, when our kids, if we have a baby born, we don't want to put the date they were born. Like even things like that might be are, are very personal and could still be information that is stolen from us. Mm. So we just have to be wise and think about long term. What will this mean for our child? And I like the idea when people have like a hashtag that is very personal that their kid can find that hashtag and look at their pictures throughout their life. I think that is a cool idea. But again, we still have to be careful and wise about what we're sharing. Definitely. So some of the things I've read on this as well, and this is a big concern of mine when I started my own public Instagram account, were some parameters you can put in place. And I, and I know these aren't totally unavoidable, but um, I don't use my kids' names um, publicly anywhere. Um, and then another thing is if I do post a picture of them, I'm in it too. Yeah. Um, and that's a big thing. And, you know, maybe they can zoom in and cut it out. Uh, but I do my best to make it hard. Um, and to make those posts be pretty darn relevant to what I have to say. Now, what's hard about that is like, I, I hate looking at my public account and just seeing mostly me and same with my <laughs> stories, you know, but yeah. I'm doing that on purpose. I don't want my kids to be the entertainment. And I think on a public account, you know, you can take a picture that is just like the back of their heads or we're walking and maybe you just see their hands if they're playing something. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there are ways to do this that it can to- still. You could do totally out of the picture. Yeah. yeah. But still, yes. Um, and I haven't gone quite as far, but there's still some parameters you can put in that place. So. You know, I often speak about how women must do habits differently. And one of the biggest reasons why is simply biology. In other words, hormones. Our hormones are a real factor to how we feel physically, mentally, and emotionally, and they constantly change day to day and year to year as we age. My friends warned me that the hormone roller coaster gets harder as we get older, and they were right. From worse PMS to more aggravating period symptoms to all the things that come with perimenopause and menopause. If you're wanting help with that hormone roller coaster, I want you to check out today's sponsor, Happy Mammoth, and their supplement, Hormone Harmony, a bottle of which is sold every 24 seconds with over 17,000 reviews. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. And here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it but it's perfect for those horrible perimenopause and menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas, and so much more. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. If you want to feel more like yourself, make sure you go to Happy Mammoth and find Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code PROGRESS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code PROGRESS for 15% off today. Now we're moving into sex stuff. Um, Okay, this first one is I'd love to get some insight into dealing with the changes my 10-year-old boy will be going through soon and how to talk to him about them. Wet dreams, erections, masturbation, etc. All the fun things. (laughs) I think that she said that. I feel like I can talk openly about sex and and pornography, but as far as what he deals with specifically with his body right now, I feel a little lost. Yeah. And I totally understand that because 
when this was the one part of our sex talks too, where I thought, huh, well, I don't have a penis and I've never had an erection Mm -hmm. and I've never had a wet dream. So I really, how can I speak to this? And so I remember talking with my husband about this and I said, this is the one talk that I would like you to take the lead on. I said, I want to be there if, if they're not too uncomfortable, but I want to, I want to chat about you know, I want to hear the language you use and the things that you say, because this is kind of a new territory, yeah. a new thing for me. It's kind of what I enjoy talking about, you know, is healthy intimacy and preparing my kids. Um, and so that was one. But I also don't feel like that precludes moms from having this conversation. You know, I, if you happen to be closer to your child or if you're a single mom, you absolutely can have these conversations with your child. I think, again, the best part or the best thing we can do is to start young. So before they're 10 years old is to start. Usually 10 is to me, that's kind of the latest that we're going to have the conversation about wet dreams and changing bodies because it's just so close to it that you want, I think you want to have a little bit more leeway time in case you do need to layer some more conversations on, or if it, you know, so that you don't have to do it all in one big conversation about puberty, let's say. Yes. Okay. So, you know, of course, when they're younger, talking about anatomy, um, reminding them that, you know, and they're going to ask questions. They're going to see dad with a hairy chest or they're going to see dad naked. They're going to ask earlier than 10 years old, pretty much. Um, but if not, then please bring up the conversation as, as early as you feel comfortable. You know, if you're comfortable, you've already talked about the differences between boys and girls. You've talked about why we protect our bodies and why our bodies are special and why we have certain parts that we cover. You know, we start th- those building blocks because those all provide safety for our kids, but it also lets them know you can talk to me about your body and it's no big deal, right? So I think it's important to, you know, again, like I said, before age 10, like I said, I think 10 is kind of the cutoff of how late. Now, if your kid is already 11 or 12, you can still have these conversations, but try to do them earlier if possible. Um, And you're going to start where you're comfortable, Okay. Okay. So if it's, if it's easier for you to talk about pubic hair first, then that's what you're going to talk about. If you want to talk about how, when our bodies change, how we're going to have to start using deodorant, or maybe your child has dry skin and they only shower every other day. And you might say, well, you're going to be producing more oils and you're going to maybe get more acne or whatever. So we need to shower more often. You know, that's kind of one of the places that I started was just with the simple things of grooming and hygiene. Okay. That's a very, that's way less threatening for us. It's way less threatening for them to just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to start wearing deodorant now. Okay. And then letting them know why. Okay. Oh, well, our bodies are changing. And then that's a good lead into, hey, there's going to be other changes. You know, you're going to probably get a broader chest. You might get chest hair. You might get, you're going to be getting armpit hair. You know, all those things that kind of lead in to the next part. And I remember when I was talking with my my boys about uh, wet dreams, and I remember mentioning something about, you know how um, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you have an erection? And it was so funny because my younger son just looked at me like, you know about that? Oh. Like, like, mom, wow, you know everything <laughs> kind of a thing. You know? I think he was like seven at the time. And it was just like, it was just so funny that anyways, that he just was like, oh, okay. Like, oh, you get this, right? Yeah. 
And so that was kind of a good, you know, establishment of just like, you know, that's going to happen sometimes. And it's just, you know, it's no big deal. And, you know, it's going to happen sometimes when you don't want it to happen, when you're like in middle school and maybe you see um, a person that, att- that you're attracted to. You might get an erection um, without even meaning to or it's just going to happen randomly. And um, that was then there was a whole bunch of questions with that. Um, to me, with the wet dreams, I was trying to make that, I know, for my kids as 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 not embarrassing as possible. So I kind of mentioned, I mentioned to them what would happen. So my husband had already talked to them about it, but I kind of wanted to, again, I wanted to reinforce it. So I said, okay, hey, dad, talk to you about that this may or may not happen. Not everybody gets wet dreams, but most, you know, boys do. And I said, if that happens, you know, you don't even have to tell me about it if you don't want to. I said, the main thing is, you know, you want to probably just take your laundry in and start it. And that was also just a good opportunity for them to know how to do the laundry if they didn't already know. And luckily, my kids did Uh know starting their own laundry. And, you know, I said, I'm not going to ask you any questions about it, you know, but you're just going to go ahead. And, you know, if if you need to do some laundry, you go for it. And then, of course, that, you know, there was other questions. A lot of these topics, including masturbation, we have sexualized them because we're adults, right? We associate an erection with sex, right? We associate masturbation with sex. You have to realize for a five, six, seven, eight-year-old, an erection is just random half the time. So it's kind of like, oh, I have an itch, right, on my Mm. elbow. It's as sexual as that to them, which is not sexual at all. Yes. You know, and it's the same thing with, you know, masturbation in a small child, right? They're not doing it to, you know, because they're getting ready for sex. They're masturbating because it feels good, right? It's not sexual to them. You know, it's kind of like running their fingers through their hair. It's something that just feels good. So it's important, though, as they you know, as they prepare, as they're getting older, though, they are going to start recognizing that there is a reason they want to masturbate. And for the most part, that is something with a fantasy, or that is with, um, you know, sexual thoughts. And so that is, again, that's another conversation. And so you can see how this in itself is could be three, four, five conversations, yes. not just a single conversation. Mm. And again, when you have that masturbation chat or the first masturbation talk, you know, you're going to base it off of your values. You know, if you do not believe that masturbation is healthy, you're going to let your child know why. If you feel like it's no big deal, go for it. Tell them if you feel like there's a limit that, hey, you should not be masturbating more than once a week or once a day. You need to let your kids know those limits. And on our website, we have in our don't freak out section, we do have a couple of articles, one that's just about masturbate, talking to your kids about masturbation in general. And one is another one for talking to your daughters about masturbation, because people really freak out with their daughters masturbating. And that's like a whole nother ridiculous thing that we really shouldn't freak out over, but people do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just keep it simple. Well, I love that you made that. It's so personalized to your values and that they're, you know, it's more about the conversation that matters behind it and not the shaming. Um, So that way they're able to really communicate back with you what they are experiencing and what they do need help understanding better and and not making it a shame driven thing, regardless of what their parameters are that you decide as a family. So I'm really glad you explained that. And that's why we're just going to keep it really simple. And we're going to talk in a very calm voice. We're not going to like, 
make it a big deal or a big event. We're going to have the masturbation conversation, you know, again, just we're keeping it simple because again, they are simple. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, especially if they have not been exposed to pornography or even just a lot of pornography, masturbation is still a very simple thing for them. Okay. It's not complicated and you know, like an adult might think of it. So again, we have to kind of get into their head and get at their level. And again, just keeping it really simple, really relaxed so that they know that this is not something that you are going to be angry with them about, you know, yeah. that you are not going to punish them. Right. So that again, that not you're keeping hands, it, stuff like yeah, that. that's, you know, you're keeping it simple. So. Okay, great. And those resources have been really helpful um, on your website uh, to kind of figure out what those parameters look like for you and how to instill them. So thank you for that. And this kind of ties into a big question that we could spend an entire uh, episode and it's about teaching our kids about sex, especially um, this one said, you know, with my younger boys, they've talked to their oldest. And I I think what we're going to have to say here is this ties into what you've already talked about with the sexual changes or or sorry, the developmental changes they go through um, physically is having that conversation young and early. We've talked about this with pornography, our pornography episode. We chatted a lot about, you know, how to teach kids about pornography. You have to teach them about sex. And we talked about that a lot. So I kind of refer people to that as well as resources you have on your site. Is there anything else that you could just say in like 30 seconds that may apply to this? Because I know otherwise this, this, this needs more time. Yeah. We, yeah. Admittedly. Yeah. yeah, we could go. Yeah, we could go on and on, but we do have some helpful resources. They're on our website and they're on Amazon. We have 30 days of sex talks. They're called empowering your child with knowledge of sexual intimacy, and we've really tried to focus on intimacy and not just the mechanics. And so we have a set of books that are for age three to seven. Not a set, but we have one book for age three to seven, one book for kids ages eight to eleven, and one book for kids ages twelve plus. And this is not just a book that you hand to your child. It is a book for you to look at for five minutes and then give a quick lesson and that it's really simple basic conversations that just kind of build on top of each other and just they cover a variety of topics from anatomy to as you know eight to eleven the sexual identification different kinds of families in the older books we talk about consent we even talk about orgasm we talk about emotional intimacy we talk about sexual harassment there's a huge variety of topics that just build on top of each other that can be really simple and incredibly empowering fantastic okay thank you we've just got two more questions here uh one is about a child who is overweight and who this parent believes that they will be teased for it so how can they help this child okay so this is a great question and it's again also near and dear to my heart because i was a slightly overweight child or at least i perceived that i was from a very young age that i that this is something that i've always you know my heart goes out to kids who who struggle with their weight um I think one of the big, the first things we need to do is when we are talking about food and when we are talking about weight and exercise, that it is not a moral issue, right? So that we do not make our kids feel guilty for eating junk food, that it's not bad food and there's not good food that makes Mm -hmm. you a good person. It's not bad. And that we don't like sit our child down and have a big talk about their weight or about 
you know, exercise, right? That it's kind of just something that we are going to be much more subtle about. And as we bring into our habits, um, when I had my third child, I was very overweight and I knew that my eating habits were affecting my children. So my second piece of advice here is to really evaluate how you are eating, how you are being fit or not fit and, and go from there because they are watching us. You know, our children are picking up on our eating habits. I picked up on my parents' eating habits. What they are putting into their bodies is a direct reflection of what we are providing at home. So inventory what you have in your home. Um, when I wanted to eat healthier, I didn't mention a thing to my kids about this. Um, whether they had a weight issue or not, it was like, it was not a, it didn't matter either way to me. I need my kids to eat healthier. So without mentioning it to them or not saying, okay, everyone, we're eating healthier. I just started slowly slipping in more fruits and vegetables and less fatty foods. So I wanted those changes to happen in our whole family. And if you have a child that you are worried about, you're going to start slipping those things in and giving as many opportunities as the as you can for that child to eat healthier. Now, if it's something persistent where this child is you perceive that they are addicted, you know, that they have something that it is, you know, you might provide healthy foods, but they are hoarding food in their closet or they are climbing up to the very top in the back of the pantry to get the chocolate chips, you know, whatever. Then you have to realize there's something much bigger going on here, that there is some other much deeper seated problem, just like with any food addiction or gambling addiction or whatever other addiction, that this is something that you need to keep your eye on and you might need help. So you want to enlist the help of your doctor, your family doctor, your pediatrician. As they set those diet parameters, let them be the quote unquote dietitian. You as the parent do not want to be the diet coach or the exercise coach. You might be going on walks with them and going to the park with them and riding bikes with them, but you are not going to become that role. Your role is mom or dad. Your role is to love and support your child and to build them up and to teach them skills. You're not going to be their food Nazi. And just like our confidence question at the beginning with a child that is struggling, already overweight or already having some other problem, maybe they feel like they're too skinny or they feel like they're too this or too that. We have to, we're going to go back to that first question of what are we going to find things that they enjoy doing where they can feel empowered, where they can feel like, hey, I'm building a skill here, or I'm creative, or I'm intelligent, I'm a great reader. We're going to find those skills that they can keep calling upon, you know, because even as a child as I was, where I felt like I was slightly overweight, I was also very athletic. So even though I was bigger than most of the other girls, I was also stronger than most of the other girls. I had other things that I, when I felt bad about one part of me, I had other things that could lift me up. Yeah, I think it speaks to what you said. You know, if you, you're seeing the sneaking behavior, um, there's definitely something deeper seated. And I, I would definitely think that a counselor should be considered as well, even more than, you know, perhaps a pediatrician or even a child um, dietitian. It seems like there needs to be a lot of help with how they're yeah, managing I think, their stress I think and it anxiety. Depends on, I think it depends on the pediatrician. I've been really lucky to have really great pediatricians that in some ways are able to act as a counselor to a child um, on various issues. But if, and again, it depends on the age of the child. If it's a young child, we're really not going to, you're not going to be able to 
make those advances through counseling. But a child who is 10, 11, 12, then yes, a counselor would be very helpful. They're, they can they can think along those lines. They can think in an abstract way to be able to kind of be out of themselves enough to see how they can make changes for the good and to see good in themselves in a way that is therapeutic, let's say. Yeah, great. And I do think what you said about confidence, more than anything, what we can model, and you talked about this in another episode where you said, we always knew my mom was fat because she told us so you know, modeling this confidence in who you are, that you are not your body, that you are so much more and this strong sense of self. And that's what matters to you, I believe will be more paramount than, than anything else in their minds of owning what they're good at and who they really are besides their body. Because I mean, some kids might be totally active and eating healthy and might be, you know, the what society is deeming as overweight but that they're at a healthy weight for them because of yeah, their oh, body absolutely. structure and, and, you know, genes and all that. So I've loved what you've talked about in other yeah. episodes on that. Like, um, I really, I really wish that we had been taught when we were kids body gratitude. You know, that was not something ever really mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. It was like thinner fat, eating healthy or not healthy. We did not take the time and we were not taught to take the time to appreciate all the things our bodies could do, that we could see, that we could laugh, that we could cry, that we could run, that we could walk. Mm -hmm. You know, we did not, we did not spend enough time, you know, with kids then, you know, teaching kids about just being really grateful for these amazing bodies that we have. That's great. Okay. Thank you, Dina. The last few questions kind of all go together in my mind. This is about kids with huge personalities and boy do I know what that's like (laughs) Uh, so far two out of the three have very strong in my family pretty sure the third will waiting on the fourth he's still five months old so who knows how do we deal with kids who have very strong emotions and I would couple this with another question that uh, the balance between correcting and disciplining children and avoiding shame and I think that's kind of tied into these strong personalities so I so I have a lot of feelings on this as having been a very a very direct, very bold child. That was um, me too. Not nece- yeah, not necessarily dramatic. I wouldn't say I was to- very dramatic. I wasn't a big you know crier. I just wasn't super emotional. Mm-hmm. And so, but I feel like it's it's a it's a tool. I feel like this can be a really powerful thing. So I'm kind of mixed on this where I can understand that a parent who, you know, if you have a child that is breaking down all the time over every little thing, I'm that can be challenging. But I also want to keep my child's voice out there, you know, because there have been times that I have, you know, we've all seen it in the in the grocery store where we've seen a parent lash out at a child. Mm-hmm. And we know that if a child being exposed to that repeatedly is going to lose their voice, you know, particularly mm-hmm. our girls. And as I watched my daughter who went through the typical middle school thing where she was talking hardly at all in class, where she went through the, the classic thing that a lot of, you know, young teenage girls go through where they basically lose their voice in, oh. in school. And as I'm watching her, though, in the last year and a half, two years, gain that voice back, I can't Mm. tell you how excited I am about that. That to me, I 
I want to, as much as possible and in as healthy a way as possible, encourage parents to allow our kids to have those emotions. Now, I'm not talking about tantrums and throwing themselves on the floor and crying for candy at the register. You're not talking but, about obliging. That's that's yes. what you're talking about. Like, yeah. yes, here, get but, here, whatever you want. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, no, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know? But I also have have, you know, one child that is very sensitive and have found that I've had to, you know, express myself very differently with yeah. him. You know, mm-hmm. and that, but that only has been a benefit to yes. me okay. to become a better parent, to not oh be goodness. so snappish, to not be so reactionary, because things that I've thought were not a big deal, because I think a lot of times we as parents, we gauge on how our parents did, right? You know, yeah. like, so I feel like I'm doing a better job than my parents. So then that must mean I'm done, right? Then I'm parent of the year. And instead, we don't realize, okay, wait, hold on, that should not be the bar. The bar should mm. just be. What is, you know, how am I being with my own kids? Am I being the parent that they need right now? Ah. And so with, you know, any kind of emotional, I have found and the research shows that just to be as calm as possible. So when they're escalating, when your child is escalating, is to be calm, to react with calmness. You want to help bring and escalate that situation down, right? You want to de-escalate. And that's for a child that might be really high strung or a child who is just being out of control. If you react with loudness, with yelling, with over emotional, it's going to just go up from there. Okay. So that's like in situational things. But I would say in general, my advice is to kind of just take it situation by situation because I want my child to have a voice. You know, when my kids have said, you know, there have been occasions when my daughter, who is very introverted, mouthed off to me and I didn't flip out because I realized that it was like she was finally speaking out, hmm. that I needed to kind of think about it for a minute and not just immediately react in anger, right, or in yeah. a punishment. Hmm. So again, it's it's different with each child. My child that is more like me, that is very extroverted, very outgoing, it's very different. You know, when he and I banter there's a certain level that I have to keep an eye on, right? Of, okay, like, when does this get disrespectful? You know, and so again, we have to take it each Mm. child. But I want to always just emphasize our letting our, allowing our kids to keep their voice as much as possible. And I'm not saying that it's okay for them to just, you know, yell at you, no, and it's not okay for a teenager to tell his mother to shut up. You know, I've seen stuff like that and I I get viscerally sick, right? From seeing that kind of behavior. But again, we want them to still be able to say no at the right times. We want them to stand up for what's yeah. right. We want them to stand up to bullies. We don't want them to be bystanders in mm. bad situations. So that is always in the back of my mind when I am disciplining, when I'm thinking about ra- when as I've raised my kids is I need them to still be able, I'm, I'm not going to crush them. You know, I have the personality that I could be that tiger mom, you know, mm-hmm. where I am like, I just, that, yeah. where I am just, you know, slapping wrists and making them do 10 hours of piano practice a week. I could be that mom. I have that capacity, but I also want to see what my kids become all on their own yes. without me <laughs> making them. Yeah, I want to see who they are and what they, what gifts they have to bring and, you know, beautiful. So again, we have to kind of, again, keep that balance. And that's also, I think, goes with your your latter question of that balance between correcting and disciplining. Definitely. You know, um, 
I can be, you know, I feel like the tone of our voice can be very firm. Oh, goodness, so yes. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that, of just, you know, being calm, but being very direct. But also Matter of fact is the word, the yeah. phrase, my husband and I always have to remind Absolutely. each other, like, say the same thing, but just say it matter of fact. So I think it's really important to just, like you said, be very matter of fact and being kind and calm and as much as possible putting ourselves in their shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, you know, there are many times that a child can be meant to feel powerless and we don't want them to feel that. We want them to feel like that they, what they say and what they do matters, that they can make a change even within their own home, you know? And so that's why, again, sometimes we're going to be flexible and sometimes we are not, there are some things that we are not going to bend on, but we can still do that with kindness, Hmm, you know, especially as my kids are getting older, right? We're having a lot of battles with phone time, of course, and with social media. That's nice to hear that. I'm oh, sure course. many people appreciate that. That's, oh, everyone yeah, is. Still I don't, something. Yeah, they're, oh, they're going to have it. You're going to have that forever. Uh-huh. <laughs> so okay, good. Prepare, prepare yourself prepare. emotionally, right? <laughs> yes. And this, you know, I mean, like I've been told, I can't tell you how many times I've been told, like, everyone knows we're the most strict family around. And I'm like, you're welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> children. That's how much I love and care about you. Yeah. You're, wel- you're welcome that you have, that, that you were blessed with this mother, right? And so... They, they know that, but I don't have to say that in a mean way, you know, and I don't have to be condescending. I can just be like, I'm really sorry that you're having a hard time with this, but this is our rule. I care about you. We've had to explain so many different times how this, how rules are because we care, because we love you. We're not doing these rules to punish you or to make your life more difficult. And as soon as your kids can understand that, explain things, explain, explain, explain. You know, my, my parents often told us, because I said so, because I said so. Mm. So I feel like that takes a lot of the drama out of many situations is, you know, are you ready to talk about this? Because I can explain why we have this rule or, you know, why so-and-so has a different bedtime than you Mm -hmm. or why we're not having dessert tonight or whatever it is. And just explaining things so that they get it. Okay. It helps them to be able to express their emotions better. And we are able to be understood as parents if we just keep practicing that, explaining what's going on. Well, Dina, you are absolutely fantastic. I'm going to make sure we have in the show notes your website, your Instagram, Facebook, and the many, many resources you have there. They are free. Like so much of it is free. And those that are to pay for are totally worth it. I have your pornography one. I'm literally going to go buy all the sex ones. I like that they're in different phases. I know you have something else that is free that is really applicable to what people are talking about a lot right now. Tell us about that before we say goodbye. So we have a free social media guide for parents, a free little ebook. It even has a social media contract. It's short and sweet, but has a lot of very pertinent information. And if you subscribe to our website, um, you will be able to download that. If you are already a subscriber, you can email us at info at educateempowerkids.org and I will send you a copy. Fantastic, Dina. I really appreciate you being on the show again, especially when it's so late for you. So thank you very, very much. Thank you. I enjoyed it. What another great episode with Dina. She is phenomenal to do that for me. We actually recorded this in July. It has been a long time coming. I'm grateful for her patience. This is one of those years that I admit I recorded my interviews too much and too far in advance. 
Next year is going to be different, folks. It's going to be so much more intentional and planned well in advance. I think you're going to hear the difference. Again, if you can leave me a review so we can get to those 500 and so you can win one of the two possible gift bags, that would be really, really helpful to me. I also wanted to let you know that the doors are now open for admittance to my progress program for January. So many of you have done an amazing job of gifting people in your life this year things that were well thought out and were going to help them. Please give a gift to yourself by offering yourself the chance to grow in ways that you need. All the women who have been in my program from November carried on to December. I think that is a huge testament to what this program is doing for them. The progress program is small group group coaching. There will only be five to 10 women per group and we get serious really fast. The growth that you will experience there, I know will be exponential compared to your everyday life and everyday attempts. So take your self-development to a new level, invest yourself for January and join my program. There are just a few spots open and I truly mean that. That's not just a gimmick. There are only a few spots. So go ahead and get yours and I hope to see you there. Thanks again for listening to the show. Later this week, I'll have some amazing Do Something highlights. And until then, remember life is about progress, not perfection. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.